0: Hi, Chris Vallotton here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to walk in your royal identity in Christ and experience God's goodness in every area of your life. I hope you enjoy this message today. And if you're looking for more resources, check out chrisvallotton.com. I, I want to talk to you about the power of the fivefold ministry. And I, I have felt, and I think that many would agree, that uh, the apostles and prophets specifically, as part of the fivefold ministry, have been under, the, under attack in uh, in our in modern times, especially in the last twenty twenty five years, we had a real rise in apostles and prophets, and now there seems to be a, a, maybe a, a surge or a siege against uh, the fivefold ministry in general, especially the five, uh, especially the apostles and prophets. And there seems to be a lot of confusion. I probably get I, I don't know maybe a, a third of the questions I get on my own social pages has to do with. Uh, the validity of apostles and prophets. Are there still apostles and prophets today? And what is the fivefold ministry? And what, what benefit is there to having these, these, uh, these people in our lives? And I, I want to begin by telling you like, when I'm talking about apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers, I, I'm not, I don't really care about the titles. We don't need another tidal wave. We don't need people to come out like, I, I are an apostle, I are a prophet. And um, I think it's important to understand there are apostles and prophets, and Jesus said, for example, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, then you'll receive a prophet's reward. So it is important that we understand that there are certain gifts that God has put in the body for a specific purpose. And so when when I don't understand the purpose, there may be grace, and we'll talk about that in a minute, there may be grace available for me that I actually don't receive, only because I don't understand that particular call or office. And so these, um, I, I, th- I think it's important that, that we understand what God says about apostles and prophets. Why don't you turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going we're gonna to start right there. So funny, in first service, I, I uh, had my notes all done here on my iPad, and I somehow got my notes in the middle of the Bible passages, now, I've memorized this Bible passage, and I'm like, what version of the Bible did I use? <laughs> then I realized that I had add to the Bible, which <laughs> glad that didn't happen while we were streaming. And let me say, I took it out and realized that my words were not as anointed as Paul's. <clears throat> um, so verse. Uh, we'll start from verse 7. But to each, one of them, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Let's look at that one more time. If you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to look at your Bible um, while we're reading it reading these passages because uh, some of this gets a little complex if you, don't kinda, if you can kind of see it and hear it. I think it helps to explain it. So look at verse 7. To each one of us, grace. Can you say grace? grace. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high... He led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Everybody say gifts to men. men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except for he descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Let's just stop right there before we before we explain the rest of these verses and read the rest of these verses together. It says this, to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, Apostle Paul, obviously, that we don't, but Apostle Paul doesn't have the New Testament while he's writing 13 books of the New Testament, of course. All he has is the Old Testament. And Paul is trying to make a point that Christ gave gifts to men, that Christ gave gifts to men. That could be in contrast with the fact that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, and 14, that the Holy Spirit gave gifts to men, to mankind, to people. Remember, there's the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Nine of them are listed in First Corinthians chapter 12. And so Paul's making a point here that the Holy Spirit gave gifts to men, but Christ also gave gifts to men. And remember, we don't have the Bible, we don't have the New Testament yet. So Paul quotes an Old Testament verse, which says, therefore, it says, the Bible, it says, the Old Testament says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now remember, Paul's trying to make a point that Christ gave gifts to men, and the passage says he gave gifts to men. So now the next verse, the next two verses, are to explain that he, in the passage of the Old Testament, that he is quoting, that he is Jesus. He isn't the Father, he isn't the Holy Spirit, that he is is Jesus. Are you with me? So it says, now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except for he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. His only point is the he in the passage is Jesus. Okay, so we're going to go back and read verse seven and then we're going to skip to verse 11 because you already understand the expression. Are you with me? Okay, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 11. So he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, and some as teachers. To equip the saints to do the work of service. To the building up of the body of Christ, how long did he give the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher? Well, some people say... Well, the apostle and prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, which we call the fivefold ministry, and there's no word in the Bible. There's nothing that says the fivefold ministry. We name it that to make it easy for people to understand. Some people say, well, at least the apostle and prophet passed away in the first century. Well, it's important to know what the Bible says. So it says that he gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints to do the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Listen to this. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to the measure of the statute which belongs to the fullness of Christ. How long did he give the fivefold ministry? Until we all look like Jesus. I propose that some of us have a little ways to go. It's just a guess. There is no passage, by the way, that says, and the apostles and prophets will end, there will be no more apostles and prophets after the first century. In fact, Jesus went on to say, in the last days, there'll be false prophets. Some people read that, and in the last days, all the prophets will be false. (laughs) Some people, sometimes people write me and they're like, they, they quote the verse, in the last days there'll be false prophets. And I understand that they're meaning somebody on the social page like me. And I write back, I used to write back, I don't anymore, I have to be honest. I write back and I say, do you think all the false, all the prophets in the, in, in the last days will be false? Because Jesus said, in the last days there'll be false prophets. That would mean there should be some real ones. Because if Jesus wanted to warn us about all false prophets, he could have easily said, all the, all the prophets in the end times will be false, but he didn't. He said there'd be false prophets. And by the way, you remember that when Moses and Aaron threw down their snake, threw down their staff. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get really good by the third service, you should come. When they threw down their staff, it became a snake. And what did the sorcerers do? They duplicated the miracles of God. How many of you know, Aaron wasn't duplicating their miracles, they were duplicating his. Why did, they, why did the sorcerers do that? To dilute the power of God. The reason why there's false prophets in the last days is because the real prophets are powerful and the enemy wants to dilute the power of God. Are you with me? Okay. So, I gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And so, first of all, we have the five-fold ministry. And what, what is the result of the five-fold ministry? Listen to... What it says right here. It says, as a result, verse 14, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. Okay, so listen, look at it. As a result, the result of what? Of the fivefold ministry flowing into our life, we're no longer to be children. Tossed here and there by waves, carried out by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. Did you get the idea that the fivefold ministry, it's not just the teacher that keeps us from deception. Hello? It's not just the pastor that keeps us from deception. How many of you know it's not just the evangelist that keeps us from deception, but it's actually the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. They build a net around us, a wall, maybe you want to say, of truth that keep us from deception and also instill uh, maturity and health in us, that we grow up in all matters concerning Christ. What happens if you eliminate two or three or four of the? of the fivefold ministry in our lives, how many of you know that you don't have the net, the wall, whatever you want to call it, the protection that God has intended for the body? That's a good word. Now, let's talk about this Christ-giving gifts to men. The, the, the gifts of the Spirit. Could I have some water I, over there? I just forgot to bring it up. Thank you very much my sippy cup (laughs) I finally figured out that you have to open it I had one service I sucked on it the whole time and I'm like (laughs) you know how you don't want to really pay attention you're like (laughs) then I got back to my seat I'm like oh it's a sippy cup (laughs) oh well yeah and you're listening to my messages it's like seriously you can't figure out how to open the sippy cup The gifts of the Spirit, for instance, the gift of prophecy, the gift of word of knowledge, the gift of healing. Paul said, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you would prophesy. And greater is he who prophesies. Uh, did you get, he said, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. It's like, oh, I don't want to do, I don't want to, I don't want I don't, I to have the gifts, I want to have character. W- w- is there a reason why you can't have both? Is it, like, are, are people really that simple-minded? They're like, I don't want to have arms; I just need legs. <laughs> Who needs eyes? I'll take ears. It means like, really, like really. And some people are like, I want to have character before I have power. Why don't you want both? Do you understand that if you, the gifts of the spirit. The gift of healing, it isn't for you, it's for the person who needs healed. Can you imagine your child? You've got a four year old who's very sick, and you're like, I don't want the gift of healing. What are you? We're streaming. That's a very bad idea. I mean, somebody needs direction. I don't want the gift of prophecy. Somebody needs encouraged. I don't want to gift the word of knowledge. I don't want to give. What, what why don't you want gifts? They're not for you, they're for the people who need a supernatural touch. Of course you want the gifts. But let me say this, they're gifts. They are not awards. Are you with me? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not awards. They're not a sign that you're mature. How did you get them? You didn't get them through maturity, you got them by asking. Sometimes the most mature people don't want gifts and then we got bozos doing gifts, signs and wonders and miracles, and we're like, those guys are bozos. Well, you're a bozo too because you're mature and you can't help anybody. Different kind of bozo. Anyway, these things are flowing out of me just spontaneously. But my real point is, is that we are called to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Are you following me? I am, I am, it's not an option. It's not like, well, if you feel like it, if it's in your theology, it's like, I am commanded to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. What, are you with me? Okay, so we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. But in Ephesians 4, these are gifts of Christ. Are you with me? So the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher are not gifts of the Holy Spirit. Paul makes it very clear these are gifts of Christ. So Jesus also gave us gifts. What is the difference? The gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's not something I am, it's something I do. I can't get my identity from my prophecies because it's not my identity It's not who I am, it's what I do by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever met someone, every time you meet them, they have to give you a prophecy? I I, I think sometimes it comes from the dysfunction of their identity. It's like I have to perform or I don't feel good about myself. But it takes a calling, a gifting, and an anointing to actually have a true ministry. Your calling gives you your identity. Your gifting gives you your ability, and your anointing gives you your purpose. Are you with me? Your calling gives you your identity, your gifting gives you your ability, and your anointing gives you a purpose. Let's start from the anointing. Every time you see the word anointing, you're gonna see something to do. Think about it, Uh, Isaiah 61. For the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to to preach the gospel to the poor. You get the idea. What I'm getting at is when you see the word anointing, there's gonna be something to do. The gifts and callings of God are what? Irrevocable. Meaning God never takes, once he gives you a gift, he never takes it back. Once he gives you a calling, he never takes it back. But who anoints that gift matters. How many know the anointing ebbs and flows with our relationship with the Holy Spirit? Are you with me? If you walk away from God, you get to take the gift with you. But guess who's anointing that gift now? So, the gifts of Christ, again, the fivefold ministry, are gifts that create callings. In other words, we'll use a prophet as an example. The gift of prophecy is not who I am, it's what I do. But the office of a prophet is not what I do, it's who I am. Are you with me? The gift of prophecy is not something I I earnestly desire. I don't earnestly desire to be a prophet. I can't go to the School of Prophets and become a prophet. I don't go to seminary to become a prophet. It's a call on my life. It's not my choice, it's God's choice. God calls me to be a prophet or an apostle or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. In fact, the apostle Paul made it clear when he said in in 2 Timothy uh, chapter one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, In Galatians 1, Paul said, Paul, an apostle not sent from men nor the agency of man, but from God. You get the point. I don't earnestly desire to be a pastor. I don't earnestly desire to be a prophet. God is the one who calls me. And I want to say, if you have this calling, like, how do I know if I have this? You'll have a private commissioning and a public acknowledgement. You'll remember Joseph. Joseph had a call on his life to be a great ruler, you remember this? The problem is, is that he told his brothers. How I many you know he had a private commissioning, but he didn't have a public acknowledgement, and so he had to go through a process called the prison. I don't know if God intended Joseph to be in prison and to be in slavery so that he could actually be in the palace, but how I many you know Joseph's arrogance required a certain process? We have Absalom who had the favor of, of man, but he didn't have the favor of God. How many know you need the favor of man and the favor of God to actually have a five-fold office? Um, let's talk a little bit about the frequency of the five-fold ministers. Um, the word pastor is used one time in the Bible. There is only one time that the word pastor is ever used in the New Testament. The word teacher is used 68 times in the New Testament, 52 times for Jesus. The word evangelist is used three times in the Bible. The word prophet is used 120 times in the New Testament. And the word apostle is used 70 times. And let me give you some statistics. There were 25 named apostles in the New Testament. Now, there's was, there was times when, he, when the Bible talks generally about, and the apostles did, but there were actually 25 named apostles in the New Testament, one of them being a woman named Junus. There was one named evangelist in the entire New Testament. His name was Philip. There were no named pastors in the the New Testament. There were nine named prophets in the New Testament, and there were four named teachers in the New Testament. Isn't it interesting? In the New Testament, we had no named pastors. In the 21st century, we have all named pastors. <laughs> uh, isn't it kind of funny we want to get rid of the apostles, and they're the ones who were named the most? There were more named apostles in the New Testament and mo- more named prophets in the New Testament than there was named anything else, and yet we are good with a- pastors, evangelists, and teachers who were hardly mentioned in the foundation of the gospel, I don't think we shouldn't have them. I'm just pointing out there might be a reason why the devil doesn't want them. It's a good thought I had. What do the fivefold ministry do? Some people are like, I'd like to be apostle. Is that the top guy? <laughs> Who's the top guy? I want to be whoever's at the top. I'm an apostle prophet evangelist. Got all three. <laughs> I like to tell you some stories. <laughs> It'd be so wrong streaming right now. But I will say this I've had people introduce themselves with three titles. Hi, I'm Chris. Hi, I'm Apostle, Prophet, Teacher. Whoa. You are like Jesus. Except without evangelist and whichever one you, whatever other one you missed. Okay, I want you to turn to Romans chapter six. And if you can, kind of keep your, your, your finger there in Ephesians four. In Romans chapter, uh, did I say six? I meant to say 12. Romans chapter 12, verse six. He writes this, Paul writes, since we have gifts, everybody say gifts. Yes. That differ according to the grace. Everybody say Grace. Given to us, let each of us exercise them according to his faith. Since we have gifts that differ according to grace, let each of us exercise them according to the proportion of his faith. Did you get that? Okay, Uh, we have gifts. What makes gifts different according to this verse? Since we have gifts that are different according to the grace given to us, let each of us exercise them according to his faith. Are you with me? Okay, and then Ephesians chapter 4, which we read, says, to each of us, grace was given, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Did you get that? I'm going to put it all together for you, but I actually want, this is probably the most important part of the message. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Who are the gifts that he's speaking about in this passage? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What are they there for? To equip the saints. What do they equip the saints with? What do they equip the saints with? Grace. See, grace isn't just undeserved favor. Grace is the operational power of God. When you got saved by grace, yes, you got saved by undeserved favor. But how many of you know that undeserved favor alone could not save you? Because you were held by two other forces. Sin was your master and the devil was your master. When God saved you by grace, do you understand when he called your name, when he said Bill, when he said Jane, and he said come, how many understand that yes, the favor was undeserved, but the power in the grace is what actually gave you the ability to come out of the clutches of sin and walk on water the water of your sin, and the water of your enemy. So God didn't just call you, the grace that called you empowered you to change something you couldn't do one second before you received grace. Are you following me? So grace is not just undeserved favor, it gives you the ability to do whatever it is God called you to do. If God calls you as a nurse, how many understand he's not just saying, you should be a nurse, he actually just gave you the ability The supernatural ability to do what you maybe couldn't do without his grace. Are you following me? And now Paul says in Ephesians that to each one of us grace was given according to the fivefold ministry, that each fivefold minister gives us grace. And Romans says that grace comes in flavors. (laughs) we, We have gifts that are different according to the grace given to us. Are you following me? So let's pretend right now that we have five that we have a, uh, a soda fountain with five flavors. We have Dr. Pepper. We have Coke. We have Seven Up. We have we don't we don't have diet anything. Like diets, like false prophets. It's like clouds without rain. I mean, it has the word "die" in it. Why would you drink it? You die. It's like exercise. Why do you go exercise to get smaller? It's exercise. People don't understand this at all. I'm making room for the Holy Ghost. Some of you, the Holy Spirit can hardly move in you. There's like no room at all. He said, lengthen your cords and strengthen your pigs, and I've been stretching them out from the left and the right. Some of you need appreciation for the real things of God to happen in your life. What was I talking about? (coughs) Yeah, so we have those fountains, okay? Five fountains. Uh, Well, if you'll be quiet, I'll explain this to you. We have five fountains, okay? They all have one thing in common. They all have soda water. But if I want Coke, I can't come to the 7-Up fountain because the fountain determines the flavor. Are you with me? So think of it, Think, think of the five fountains. (laughs) fountains as a five-fold ministry. If I come to a pastor, if I come to a pastor, I'm gonna get pastoral grace. What is pastoral grace gonna do? According to Romans, pastoral grace is gonna give me certain kinds of gifts. Is it gonna give me prophetic gifts? No, it's gonna give me pastoral gifts. Remember, pastors are equipping the saints. What are they equipping the saints with? Grace. What's grace doing? It's giving them certain kinds of gifts around the pastoral call. Are you with me? If I'm an evangelist, if I want evangelist evangelist grace, I go to the evangelist, what does the evangelist do? He equips the saints to do the work of service. How many know the primary role of an evangelist is not to lead people to Christ? Did I say he shouldn't or she shouldn't? No, I said the primary role. What's the primary role of an evangelist? To equip the body to lead people to Christ. How does the evangelist do that? He doesn't just give them technique. He gives them impartation of grace. Are you with me? If I come to a prophet, I'm not going to get apostolic grace. I'm going to get prophetic grace. What is prophetic grace? Eyes to see and ears to hear. Are are you following me? The goal of the prophet isn't to give everyone a word. It's to equip everyone to get their own word. Are you with me? Now, look what it it says. It says, Romans 12 says, that we, since we have gifts that are different according to the... Come on, you need to hear this, remember this. Since we have gifts that are different according to the grace, grace given to us, the grace given to us, let each of us exercise them according to the proportion of his faith. faith. Faith is the size of the glass you bring to the fountain. You determine how much you get. You can't determine the kind. You determine what, what, what you, how much you get. The fountain determines... What flavor it is. You can come with a little sippy cup. (laughs) Come to the prophet, got a little sippy cup. (sighs) Oh, I had a dream once. (laughs) Some of you like, you brought a pool. You're like, fill that up. I'm going to jump in there. (laughs) You determine how much grace you get from the fivefold ministry by the faith you bring. Remember, Jesus said, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you receive a righteous man's reward. What do you do, what happens if you come to a prophet, but you don't know they're a prophet? Now, you might receive grace, but how many you know that it creates, when you understand what you're doing, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. When I understand where I'm sipping from, what fountain I'm drinking from, how many understand, I can anticipate, I can bring my faith, I can say, I'm going to get me some of this grace. This is what I need in my life. What happens when you eliminate apostles and prophets from your ability to, when you eliminate apostles and prophets from the fivefold ministry, how many understand you eliminate the grace you need for the apostolic and prophetic foundations in your life? The devil would love to get rid of apostles and prophets because of the specific role they play in the life of the body. I'm not saying that they play as, as people being an apostle or being a prophet. I'm saying in the role they play in equipping the saints with apostolic and prophetic grace so that we can move in the world with this apostolic and prophetic grace. Are you following me? The devil would love to take out two of the five generals so that they don't have that that grace is not available in the body. And guess what? It's that grace that helps keep helps keep people out of deception and helps them to grow up. The devil can't stop you, he just eliminates a couple of your gifts. And how many you know? Then we are like we we are not complete without the whole five-fold ministry. Now, when I receive apostolic grace does it make me an apostle? No, it makes you apostolic. It means that you can do everything the apostle can do, but you don't have the identity of an apostle. If I receive prophetic grace, does that mean I'm a prophet? No, it means that you're prophetic. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily an equipper, but it means that you can go out and do everything the prophet does. Uh, I have uh, traveled the world, and, um, and people will often especially leaders, they'll say, you know, everyone says you're a prophet, but I think you're an apostle. And I always have to explain to them, I've never had a private visitation where God called me an apostle. I've had several where God called me a prophet, a prophet to the nations. Never has God ever told me that I'm an apostle. Some people have prophesied over me and I think it's a misunderstanding because they see the grace on my life and they misunderstand that I'm a prophet because I, I'm an apostle because I act apostolically. But here's the deal: If you are in relationship, if you are in the flow of apostolic grace, you can behave like an apostle, even though you yourself are, aren't an apostle. It's the, it is the equipping process of the five-fold ministry. In uh, Weaverville. Um, sometimes you'd buy a piece of property and you couldn't get water on it. You know, it's pretty worthless without water. You can't really build anything on it. But if your neighbor had water and if he had a good enough well, which was very common, you could go over to your neighbor and make a deal. Sometimes it costs money. $10, 20 $30 a month and say, can I tap my house into your water source? And I pay you X amount of dollars. And sometimes they this tap in. I got more water than I need. You know, we're all in wells, in those, in those properties. And I have water. You come to my house, you can take a shower, you can drink water, you can make lemonade, you can do whatever you want, but you don't know, you aren't aware that the well isn't on my property. The reason I have water, is because I have a relationship with my neighbor. So I've been in a relationship with Bill, I think 41 years. The apostolic well is not on my property. It's not on my property, but I have all the water I need. I can act apostolically, as a matter of fact, I'd, I'd say the role I play often in the city and in the world is actually not my calling role. It's actually the grace that I'm receiving from the apostolic grace from flowing from this house, that I get to operate like an apostle. Everything Bill can do, in the, in the apostolic way I mean, I can do that, not because the well is on my property, but because I'm in covenant relationship with someone who has one. Ephesians 3, Paul says something profound. He's talking uh, to the Ephesians, and he said, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for Jesus' sake. I'm sorry. (laughs) I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles. You know, I want to say there are appropriate times to laugh. (laughs) And other times. If indeed you have heard, listen to this, I love this phrase. Indeed, if you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. I want to read you this, that last line. If indeed you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace. What is Paul? He's an apostle. He says, I received a stewardship of God's grace, but it's not for me. It's for you. Oftentimes we think of stewardship. You know, most often think, we, you know, you go to a stewardship class and they're usually talking about what? Money, right? And that's good. Paul says, I've been given grace. Remember, grace is the operational power of God. It's also the currency of heaven. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says that God has lavished grace on us. How <laughs> many understand? In the natural, if I said Henry's rich, you think he has a lot of money. But in the kingdom, when God says that man's rich, he's not talking about dollars, he's talking about grace, because grace gives you the ability you could not do, and you can airdrop it to other people. <laughs> Did you know that? You have, you have grace, and if you own the grace, you can actually airdrop it to someone else. You can give people the ability that you got for free. You can give it away. As a matter of fact, you can give people the ability that you won in Christ by winning battles and receiving grace. You can actually give that to other people as an inheritance for free. And Paul said, "I was made a steward. God actually made me a steward of grace, but this grace has your name on the account. I was given it; it was given to me, but to give to you. Are you with me?" In uh, I got three minutes. Whew. Less jokes and more truth, Belton. In Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says, I long to come to you that I might impart a spiritual gift to you that you may be established. Interesting, he writes 16 chapters, 16 chapters of the most incredible teaching, maybe the most profound teaching in the entire Bible, is in the book of Romans. He's writing this book specifically to the Romans. We pick it up later. He writes them 16 chapters, and he says, you won't be established until I come and impart a spiritual gift to you. It's interesting that teaching can do things that we need, but how many know that impartation can take you to a whole nother place? I, I, I love teaching, we teach, we teach for a living, we write, we write books, uh, we, we wanna equip people, teaching's a part of it, but sometimes I can know things I can't do because I still haven't received the grace that comes with the impartation. Like I have the instruction, but I don't have the grace to actually do what I've been instructed to do. There are sometimes that I get teaching that I don't yet have the impartation to actually walk out. The grace has yet to be released to me. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I need the impartation of apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and also brothers and sisters around me. How many understand, I don't just need knowledge, I actually need grace. Paul, uh, in 1 Timothy 4, said, Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through the prophetic utterance, with the laying on the hands of the presbytery or the leadership. Take pains with these things, be absorbed in in them, so that your progress may be evident to everyone. I love this part, and I'm going to end with this. Paul said, Timothy, remember when the leaders laid their hands on you? and they specifically gave you a gift. Now it's interesting he doesn't say he gave the, they gave you gifts. He specifically says they gave you a gift and they identified it through prophecy. Do you understand the prophecy was the identifier, but the impartation was the grace? And he said that gift they gave you, I want you to pour yourself into that gift. I want you to so pour yourself into the gift that was given to you through the leadership and the prophecy identified it, I so want you to pour yourself into it, into that gift, that everyone that you're leading, they will see your progress. They'll say, have you noticed how Tim's growing in that gift? Maybe it was a gift of leadership. Maybe it was a a gift of deliverance. Maybe it was a gift of teaching. We don't know. Paul doesn't make it clear what gift was given to him, but he says, everybody's going to see that you are progressing in your gift. Here's my last point: You receive grace, but you have to do something with it. Maybe you're walking around with a big motor in your car, but how many know you have to start up and put it in gear? <laughs> Said by mechanic. You can't just turn the radio on. And so it is about faith to receive grace, but how many understand you still have to labor? in the grace that's released to you so that you can actually do something with what you've been equipped with. And I'd propose that God wants you to do it. He wants you to give yourself to it. If you were a basketball player, we want to see you getting better and better and better. Sometimes in the church we're like, oh, it's not me, it's Jesus. Right here, it's not just about Jesus, it's about you. What are you doing with the gift God gave you? Are you outside practicing every day? Can everybody see that you're growing in your gift? If you're a teacher, are you getting better? Are you, are you getting more understanding? Do people, when you stand up to preach, they go, man, he's so improved in the last three years. Look at that, the way they do that, the stories they tell, the way they're able to communicate truth. In other words, what I'm getting at is sometimes in, in Christ we think we're not supposed to actually like give ourselves to. It's like it's all about Jesus, just about grace. It's like once you get grace, start working. Get to work. Put the grace to work. Put. Are you with me? Engage the grace and let everybody know, whatever it is that God's called you to, you're doing it better and better and better. And it is a good report when people say, he's really growing in his gift. She's really growing in that gift they got. Do you remember four years ago when the leaders came and they prophesied that teaching gift? Well, you know, she couldn't hardly teach. He wasn't very good at it. But look what's happened in the last four years. She has so given herself to that gift. He has so given himself to that gift. And guess what happens? The whole body benefits from the fact that you gave yourself to the grace that was enabled to you. Would you stand? I want to say there may be some folks in here you don't know Jesus. And everything we talked about today was actually about you being a believer. And if you're here today, I just want to ask you, would you like to receive Jesus and begin to get the benefits of grace? And if that's you, you may say, well, you don't know all the things I've done wrong. Well, you don't know all the things he's done right for you. You can't fall too far that he can't find you. You can't do so wrong that he can't forgive you. And you can't do so bad that he can't restore you. And if that's you today, would you just lift your hand? Would you just raise your hand? Uh, Jesus said, "If you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before the Father." And if that's you this morning, you happen to be in this crowd of believers, and you're like, "I've come just to observe. I don't know why I'm here." I propose that grace drew you, that the Holy Spirit is on you this morning. If that's you, would you just would you just raise your hand and maybe wave your hand? If I don't see it, we don't want to embarrass you. We just want to make sure that you leave here with why for, that you leave here with the reason Jesus sent you here. Is there somebody in the back? You right there. That's awesome. We just bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Who's coming up? And I just want to say that the Lord is touching you right now. I don't know. There's something in your body that he's healing. And we just, we just say yes and amen to that. And I'd love for you just to come up. And we got some folks right over here. Raise your hands. Kind of wave your hands, guys right over here, would love for you to come up and pray with these people. The rest of you, would you just put your hand on your heart for a moment? I feel like I'm supposed to impart something to you. Okay, so are you ready? I say bring the barrel, bring the barrel. I want you to have this anticipation. I've been prayed for a million times but something different's gonna happen right now. And Lord, I just release a prophetic grace on every person who's in this room and the people watching by Bethel TV, that they would receive grace and that suddenly they would have visions and dreams. And Lord, that you would clear, that you would clear the fog, that you would clarify the words, that you, would, that you would add a turbocharger to everything they already have. And Lord, they begin to move in wonders and miracles and signs, that their house would be a house of miracles, that their marriages would emanate with the love and the power of God. Their children would come up being supernatural children. Their house would be the house of incredibles. Lord, we just bless every person in this room. And I want you to say, I receive that for myself. Amen. Thank you so very much. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.